This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker on the BetQL Audio Network. Points Bet, the proud sportsbook partner of the Chicago Bears, is out doing the competition in Illinois. They are now live with minus 105 spreads on all NBA games. That's the best price of any sportsbook. Why bet anywhere else? BetQL Daily at BetQL Daily on Twitter, live on the radio.com app. The Bet 1430 in Denver. The Bet 93.1 HD3 in Los Angeles. This is Joe Ostrowski uh, with you. And my co-host today is Lockie Lockerson here on uh, the BetQL Audio Network. <laughs> Very funny, Joe. Very funny. I've heard I, so far I, going to break. <laughs> Ryan Horvat once and Sarah Perlman twice. It's everybody other than me, evidently. Apparently. My goodness. Uh, So the other day on Radio.com, I recommend you go check out this story. It's still posted from uh, one of our sports betting guys, Vic Chalksy. And I tweeted out the link the other day to it, at Joe0670. Ross, do you know the details on on how uh, prop bets that we spend the last couple weeks talking about. Do you know how it all got started and when they started really take off? Not until I pulled up this story (laughs) and started looking at it. I didn't know. It's pretty cool. It's wild. Yeah. It goes back to the, the 85 bears. When you have stories that are now 35 years old, sometimes the details tend to change. And, uh, Vic has all the details in here on it. Now I had heard, I've heard some bookmakers when they tell the story that what happened was now, first off, you go back to the 85 season and so many bears players were larger than life. I mean, I couldn't imagine that team in this era with the media coverage that we have now and social media and all that. But Dicka throughout the season was trying fridge William Perry in the backfield. Um, he rushed for two touchdowns in the regular season. He had like five or seven attempts, something like that. He also caught a touchdown. So he had three touchdowns. And it was brought up over the with the media before we got to the Super Bowl. And the first prop bet that was ever posted was William the Refrigerator Perry to score a touchdown in Vegas. It opened at 50-1. to one. Bears popular team. Um, they became a national team that year with all the, all the characters that you had. And it starts with the head coach and Mike Dick and, of course, Fridge and Jim McMahon, so many other guys. By the time the game started, Ross, it went at some books from 50 to 1 or 20 to 1. And they just kept betting it and betting it 
Embetnet, a guy that had only a few rushing attempts all year, who scored two rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. When the game started, the prop bet was posted at two to one because they had so much liability built up on this wager. And he still scored. And he scored. And Peyton was so mad. So mad in the post game that the reporters couldn't find him. They won the Super Bowl. They crushed the Patriots. Reporters couldn't find Peyton. He was hiding out in a corner locker room until uh, some some members of the organization convinced him to go out and talk to the media. That's how pissed he was. It was, uh, you know, it was a rout, and Dicka didn't let him score a touchdown. Didn't give him that opportunity. So I can honestly see both sides there. You know, like Ditka, they were killing him. Dicka probably didn't even realize that he hadn't scored yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, and he said, he Dicka said multiple said, times. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. He, Dicka has said publicly he wasn't aware of it, didn't know how important it was to Walter. He would have had him score. But I don't even remember it when it was a total blowout. I'm actually surprised Peyton didn't score in the first half or didn't score before the game got – because by the time the fridge scored, the game was way over. I'll be honest. Hey, Walter, you just won the Super Bowl. You're a Hall of Famer. Why do you need to get into the end zone? You were the decoy all game because you're a great player, and that's why the, the offense was able to put out 46 points. I mean, I don't know. It is a little weird that it was that important to him. The yeah. flip side, though, is like – he was the best player for so long, and now he finally is on a good team and gets to that stage, and the focus is on the D coordinator, the head coach, the big fat D lineman, <laughs> the punk quarterback. I mean, the, the, the talk or the conversation was on everybody other than Walter Payton. It was yeah. on McMahon and the headband and the dance and the fridge and – Buddy Ryan's going to leave and Dick like I kind of get it. Like I've been working my butt off on soldier field, getting smashed for years. This is supposed to be my time, my reward. He was like late, an afterthought almost late seventies, early eighties in his prime. He had no offensive line. These guys couldn't block anybody. And he still ended up being the rushing leader in the NFL. Uh, Eli asks, what was my memory of the 85 Bears in the fridge score? I don't have one. I was six. So I, I the only memory I have is I know we were at a Super Bowl party. The game was on. But I, I do have a vivid memory of watching Walter's last game in a 6-3 game. I believe it was against the Raiders in 1987. I certainly remember that. 85 Bears, I know all the stories. I've seen all the games on tape. I, I know everything about it. I still see them, members of the 85 Bears in the media here in Chicago, 35 years later. Some of them do very well. Guys like Dan Hampton is another Hall of Famer. Um, but I don't, I was just a little bit too young to remember it in real time. So that's the second Super Bowl I ever remember watching any of it. Second one ever. I watched some of the, Niners Dolphins the year before Marino's second year Montana that was the 84 season so I would have been five I remember being at a party with my parents or whatever and I liked the Niners because they were good um 
actually something happened. Somebody, I had like some connection anyway. And I remember that game, but I really remember the next year. Like I kind of remember Dolphins Niners, Joe. I really remember Bears Patriots. And I remember like on the school bus, like they said, who's rooting for the Patriots? Like nobody raised their hand. Who's rooting for the Bears? Yeah. Like everybody (laughs) was into the Bears. Everybody was rooting for the Bears in that game. And obviously it was uh it was a total blowout, but the Bears had just been so dominant that year that everybody was kind of like they that team. Is there a more recognizable team all time? Well, in my world, of course not. I mean, but it's I been mean like Bears. yeah. I um, think because nationally- they never won it again, Joe, I think that they are the most like you don't say. 92 Cowboys because they won it three times. So it's like the 90s Cowboys or the 80s Niners or the page. Like, I can't think of one other team where you're just like 85 Bears. Like, is there any other team that even comes out like that where you just say the year and the team? I can't think of one. Was it a disappointment they got one? They made one Super Bowl. I mean, Yes, it was, but would winning one more have changed anything? Like, they're legends. All those guys are legends in Chicago and elsewhere forever. It's the 85 Bears. That's what people say. It's almost like – so winning another one would have been cool, I'm sure, but it couldn't – I mean, it couldn't have made them any larger than life than they already are. Like I, I just have a flood of memories, and you could still find some of this stuff on YouTube. Like Mike Dicka on the Coach's Show, the night of the game, or it was like an event, an hour and a half before the game, or two hours before the game every Sunday. The Coach's Show, which was taped, which had a live audience filled with Bears fans, you know, doing hoo, 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 like the entire time. It was just madness. And then Dicka would go on local TV and sit down in the studio after the game. He'd be drunk half the time. Like um, Jim McMahon, the week of the Super Bowl, there are planes above, it, around the Superdome, and they were hovering over McMahon. He moons the TV cameras on live TV. Like, could you, the best team in the world, like Pat Mahomes, could you imagine what would happen if he was mooning TV cameras today? Can you imagine what social media would have been like with the 85 oh, bears? Unreal. Cause those guys were animals off the field too. Like yes. animals. I've heard some stories. Those guys were, Unbelievable. And you're and remember like Dick had told guys not to do commercials and then he did them himself. And what a jerk. He 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 lost the thing that's weird about the, the Jim McMahon stuff too, Joe, is he went to BYU. Yeah. Like he yeah. didn't go to Miami or like one of these like renegade schools. He went to BYU. The punk quarterback. It's almost like he got out of BYU and got out of I mean, how did Jim McMahon? They should do a 30 for 30 on Jim McMahon's time at BYU. How is that even possible? How is that even possible that Jim McMahon went to BYU? Do you remember when he had the headband? Um, He was mad at Pete Rozelle. I forgot what it was about. Rozelle wouldn't allow him to wear something. And so on the headband, he wrote Rozelle. Could you imagine a player today writing on a headband, Goodell? Like basically taunting him because he's mad at Goodell. Like It would never, ever happen. 
It That'd be wild. amazing. That, yeah. I mean, they just, they were large enough. I didn't realize reading this story, some of the other prop bets, like, I didn't realize they knew the Niners Broncos game was going to be a blowout in 1990. So they had a prop bet who scores more that day, the Niners or Michael Jordan. That is amazing. Yes. Yeah. That, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, other Super Bowl betting memories I have earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, it's all running together. We were talking about the Eagles, and that was my biggest win. But it, it, it's kind of what really kicked off betting for me when I was what? I had to be 12, 13 then. Uh, the 1992 season. And my dad was going to a, a party with Calcutta, and basically you bid on teams. You bid on teams. And I had a talk with him before he left. I'm like, look, Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl. And San Francisco was the one seed. Whatever you do, buy the Cowboys. So he buys the Cowboys. I think that was the Michael Jackson halftime. It, it was a great day because I won another pool that I was in with, with the points total. But uh, also that year, the other team that he bought at that Calcutta was the Houston Oilers. 35-3, to leading Frank Reich and the Bills. And I remember watching that game like, oh, Dad, it's easy. We're going to the next round. He's like, oh, there's a lot of time left. 35-3 to leading in the second half. They lose the game. Unbelievable. I remember watching that game distinctly and the fans trying to climb back over the fence to get back in that had left at halftime. Incredible. Uh, More Super Bowl stuff coming up later. Next, we go to the NBA. Our very own Ryan McDonough going to drop by for a couple of segments. Always a fun conversation with Ryan. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker. This is BetQL Daily. You're locked into the BetQL Audio Network. It's BetQL Daily on the BetQL Audio Network. Download the BetQL app today to get the latest analytics to help you beat the sports books. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time for BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski. Tyler Hero and his points prop is at 16 and a half. I am going over 16 and a half. Nine triples to Washington. What a steal by Butler. Took it away from Bertans. And finds Hero for the open three. Kaboom. Wow. How about that? Jimmy maybe could have taken the layup there, but saw Tyler knows he's in a great offensive rhythm. And Russ Tucker. I like Pitt getting the four points against Virginia Tech on points bet. (laughs) It's going to be it. Virginia Tech will wave the white flag. Huge bounce back win for Pitt. 
83-72 is the final count. Breaking down all the betting angles you need to put money in your wallet on the BetQL Audio Network. A couple of our plays from last night. Joe Ostrowski and Ross Tucker here on Twitter at BetQL Daily. Thank you for listening live on the Radio.com app or via podcast. Uh, check us out. Subscribe to the pod. BetQL Daily, iTunes, Spotify, Radio.com. Leave us five stars over on iTunes. So um, now the last couple of days here uh, of the week before we get to the Super Bowl and a big storyline, Ross Tucker, is Deshaun Watson because opinions are being thrown everywhere. This morning, Dick Vermeil goes on ESPN Radio, and he's saying he's disappointed in Deshaun Watson. Everything we heard about his character coming out of college does not reflect what he is doing right now. Yesterday, Hall of Famer Brett Favre is sharing his opinion about Deshaun Watson. He says, you get paid a ton of money to do a certain job and just do it. And let the chips fall where they may. Oh, and then Watson's agent comes out and points out, hey, uh, remember when Brett Favre requested trades when he was with the Packers and he didn't like what was happening there? This is probably going to continue to happen. I mean, what a joke, especially the Favre stuff. So a couple things here, Joe. Number one. I think when you talk with guys like Dick Vermeil and Brett Favre, and this happened Super Bowl week, you bring in guys that have legendary names mm-hmm. that, if we're being honest, don't really follow things that closely. Brett Favre also said he thinks the Jags should take Devontae Smith at one instead of Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> so I think what happens is you have guys that don't follow things all that closely. And so they don't know that Deshaun Watson was essentially lied to by ownership there. You know, they said, we want you to be involved. We want your opinion. And then when he gives it to them, they go totally the other way on the GM. But then they don't even interview Eric Bieniemy, the coaching name he gave. So he feels like he was lied to or he was played. I don't really believe, Joe, that people like Dick Vermeil or Brett Favre really know all of the details, right? So I'm actually going to give them a pass because they don't know that. They just know that in their mind, the guy just wants to be traded, right? That they don't know all the backstory, all the drama, everything that's gone on there. That's number one. Number two, Brett Favre is like the most manipulative guy I can ever remember. I mean, he won't they won't let him get traded to the Vikings. So he goes to the Jets for a year. He retires after the season. I'm done. And then several months later, he says, and he had a two-year contract, by the way, with the Jets. Two years. He comes out of retirement and and says, I just want to play ball. I just want to play ball. Oh, wants to play ball for the Minnesota Vikings. He goes to the Vikings then. Mm. He could have played ball for the Jets, but he basically got – he said he was retiring, got the Jets to move on. They draft Mark Sanchez, whatever. And then in the summer, he's like, yeah, I kind of do want to play. Oh, Vikings, okay. Who had my guy, Sage Rosenfels, and T-Jack, Tavares Jackson. They were going to compete for the starting job. All of a sudden, nope, here comes Brett Favre. He manipulated that whole thing 
to get, again, the trade that he wanted. Sage is great, by the way, at breaking down uh, breaking down quarterback play. We should get him on sometime. He is and it, I were rookies together. We, we were really? rookies, rookies with Marty Schottenheimer, 2001. He comes on the score every week to talk about how terrible the Bears quarterback play is. <laughs> every day, I think it's every uh, Tuesday at our midday show. It amazes me to uh, time and time again, especially the former player, uh, Brett Favre, and same thing with fans. When they end up siding with ownership, siding with the billionaires over the millionaires, and we see it all the time. It, it just blows my mind. And you're probably right about Favre. You know, Vermeil, he's thinking about it as a coach and how upset he would be if his star player was doing this, player under contract, all that stuff. But a, a player like Favre, it, it blows my mind the amount of times we see people take management side in these sorts of situations. Yeah, I honestly, Joe, I think I can be fairly uh, neutral and objective on those. Like mm -hmm. there are times where I point out that management's being overbearing. There are times when I point out that like Le'Veon Bell, what he did with the Steelers was just galactically stupid. Mm -hmm. He cost himself millions of dollars went to a much worse team, and now he's the third-string running back for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, essentially, behind Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, so that's one where – I got to be careful a little bit because that's one where people say, oh, you're siding with management. I'm not siding with management. I'm saying that Le'Veon Bell's being an idiot and that he would have made a lot more money if he took the offer the Steelers gave him. And I'm, I'm disagreeing with his business decision. It's his life. Mm -hmm. He can do what he wants to do. But most of the time when it comes to holdouts and stuff, I will absolutely support the player. And for Deshaun Watson, you know, Joe, I think there's a lot to be said for, and you're seeing this in the NBA. Like, I only get one career. I'm only in the prime of my life one time. This organization is a train wreck. The owner doesn't know what he's doing. Look, you know who realized that? Archie Manning, which is why he didn't want Eli Manning to go to the Chargers organization. That's he right. did not think that they had good ownership. And we know what happens, you know, when you have ownership like that sometimes. Got him to the Giants. He probably doesn't win two Super Bowls for the Chargers. No. Oh. There's a question. He does not do that. Uh, let's take a look at some of uh, the money that we've seen come in on the Super Bowl. We'll have so much time to go over to Sean Watson and what some of these uh, quarterback-hungry teams are going to be doing with the draft, free agency, or they're going to take their shot with Watson, something they'll probably have to wait uh, some time uh, to do because it doesn't seem like the Texans are going to be making a deal anytime soon. So this point spread in total for Sunday's game, there's been like no movement. There was some movement in the hours um, after it was posted, after Championship Sunday. The total comes down. The the uh, point spread comes down. Some had it three and a half. Some had it three. So both of those numbers come down, and it hasn't budged. We keep hearing about sharp money coming in on the Tampa side, and we know more public money is coming in on the Kansas City side. Public money will be in on, on the over and we've seen sharp money come in on the under. I'm with so much money coming into this market, Ross, more than we see all year on any other sporting event. 
I'm surprised that nothing has budged. And when we spoke with Jeff Sherman from the Westgate earlier in the week, he doesn't think it's going to happen by the time we get to kickoff. Well, I think the total might tick back up to like 56 and a half. Sure. I think enough people will take the over that it'll go, you know, truth be told, Joe, um, I put one unit on the under 56 and a half. And I wouldn't say I have like a, and we'll talk about it more tomorrow. I wouldn't say I have like a strong opinion on it, but I felt like I wanted to have something on the Super Bowl, you know, on yeah. the side of the total. So it's only a one unit bet. Most of my bets are two unit bets. I got it at 56 and a half. I, I'm just not sure there's going to be as much scoring as other people think with that Chiefs revamped offensive line in front of them. That is tough going against the Bucks D line. I think there's a chance, man, Mahomes gets bruised and battered in this game. I, I really do. And I've been consistent on this, I think, what, for two weeks, Joe? When the Bucks were getting three and a half, I liked them. If it goes below three, I like the Chiefs. That tells you that three is the correct number. Three is where it should be. I'd love to come out here and say X, Y, and Z and do this and do that. I can't do that. Like I, I don't have a bet on the side. I wish I did. Trust me. But I don't. And I don't think it's going to move. And the and the the books that we've spoken to, you know, the bookmakers, they don't think it's going to move. And I don't think it should move. I think it's where it is. Here's one thing we haven't touched on yet today, Joe. Hmm. There's talk, and I know I guess I think Adam Chernoff mentioned this, but you and I haven't really talked about it. There's talk of weather, you know, 75% chance of rain, maybe thunderstorms. I don't really envision that helping the scoring. Do you think that's why it came down to 56 from 56 and a half? I don't think so. The reason that I think it came down, and remember, it was an immediate move, is just what we've seen in with the history of these very high totals. It keeps going under. that, And that's why I think it, it came down immediately, and it really hasn't changed that much. Um, it, we have these slow starts. We've seen it in these Brady games. So I think that's the main reason that it came down. It wasn't so much weather. Maybe that's what's keeping it down. Because I, I did agree with your sentiment that it's probably going to tick up a little bit when we get more public money, but that might depend on the weather a little bit. We know how people love to overreact to weather. Okay, if there is some rain that, that is in the forecast right now, and again, we're still quite a few days away from this, but uh, if there is weather in the forecast, how do you think, how do you think it impacts it? We, we sit here all year and say, don't freak out unless we're talking wind. Well, the word is rain. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how heavy the rain is, right? Yeah. Um, let's go back. What do you remember, Joe, of the Bears-Colts Super Bowl that was played in mm -hmm. the rain? It's starting with Devin Hester running back the kickoff to start the game. Bears fans go, oh, maybe we actually do have a chance here. And today is the an anniversary of, of that. Uh, the Hester kickoff returned for a touchdown to start things off. And then it was uh, Peyton Manning and the boys the rest of the way. But what I remember from that game is the Colts ran the ball a lot. Mm -hmm. Final score, 29-17. I don't remember what the total was before the game. But that's not like that low scoring of a game, considering 
the Bears' offense wasn't great, and they were known for their defense. Yeah. Yeah. Cedric Benson uh, left with an injury in that game. So that was one of the reasons they ended up moving on. But yeah, uh, you did have a high-powered Indianapolis offense, and they were much more run-heavy than many expected. So would that be the case? I don't, I don't see it. Do you see it on either side where they go more run-heavy because of the weather conditions? If it was really bad, um, it would probably be the Bucks. I think, would be more willing to do that. I yeah. think the Bucks. You know, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, pretty good offensive line. I don't see the Chiefs doing that. No, I mean, I don't care if it's a blizzard. I think the Chiefs are throwing the ball. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. So, or at the time, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, when you start to get the big bets, the big bets are coming in, and Mattress Mac, people are talking about him every single year around this time, around the big events, whether it's the World Series or the Super Bowl. He placed a big wager in the state of Colorado. He took the Bucks plus three and a half, a juiced three and a half. I guess that's the best that he could find of the Bucks offering the hook there. Uh, a $3.46 million wager on the Bucks plus three and a half. And he's he's hedging something, right? He's got another one of those like yeah. promotions, whatever. Right, right, exactly. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't have all the details on the promotions, but that that's what he does every year. He hedges on the other side, and he he goes searching throughout the country. I think it was DraftKings in Mississippi, maybe last year or two years ago, that took a that took a seven figure bet from him. Right. So they're doing that, but what? Like he's got some giveaway, but I don't understand. Like, what's the giveaway? He's in Texas, right? And he, I yeah. I understood the Houston Astros stuff. I don't really get what the like where his business is that he's like got some promotion i guess on the chiefs yeah yeah that that's what it usually ends up being i don't i wouldn't look at it and say okay we got a million dollar wager three and a half million dollars that's a sharp bet somebody knows something no no no. a lot of times when books are willing to take wagers that are seven figures it's not sharp money because otherwise they wouldn't be taking that wager. So keep something to, to keep in mind. Now, the sharp money that we've heard about from some sports books this week, uh, most of it has been that specific wager. It's been people jumping on Tampa Bay plus three and a half. And for most books, uh, we're in agreement that it's going to sit at three.